Hey guys, this is Richard jumping in just to let you know that we we kind of got a little carried away talking about Black Widow and we sort of spoiled some stuff from the get-go. So this is your warning. All right. Otherwise, enjoy. everybody, welcome to Media Review Pod, a variety podcast of discussions, opinions, and interviews focusing on the entertainment side of media. My name is Richard Santiago, and today we will be talking about the final two episodes of the Disney Plus show, Loki Season 1. And to help me clear the smoke curtain, or smoke monster, question mark? We'll get to that later. It's JC Chang! Hey, buddy. Hey, hey. Thanks for coming back. Appreciate it. Always great to have you here. Well, I uh, I guess I could be here or the end of time. <laughs> yes, and we will get to that because we will be talking about Loki, as I said before. But before that, I wanted to touch base with you and talk about Black Widow because this was a film that came out last week mm-hmm. and we had the opportunity to watch it and... There was some big news a couple of days ago about the box office. So um, I sent you an article that showed Disney revealing finally yeah. its, its numbers for the premiere axis. And I, I think this is the first time, right, that they do this? Yep. Um, actually, I think for any streaming service, the last one to reveal was for Trolls. And that was like, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, they yeah. were going to do that digital release for the first time ever and you know change the model uh moving forward as far as we knew it Mm -hmm. um and yeah that was the last time we got numbers for anything you know with this uh day and date streaming release so it's uh it's pretty insane 60 million yeah yeah it it accounted for over 20 percent of the entire box office Mm -hmm. so this this is a big a big deal it's kind of a game changer i believe because if if people remember um with this whole pandemic thing uh i i think it was universal with with trolls mm-hmm. um, yep. when when they released it i remember all the theater chains were kind of up in arms saying we're not gonna be playing any of your films ever again and then things kind of went down the drain regarding the pandemic and everybody realized that this is this is kind of the way it has to be from now on. And so Warner Brothers kind of jumped into that whole bandwagon and they said, hey, guys, guess what? All of our movie slate from 2021 is going to go on our streaming service. And everybody was like, wait, what? Seriously? And yep. That's that's the way it went. Um, I think from when when did it start? I think it was starting November, was it? Um, I think it might have been a little for was it November? Well, yeah, I, Wonder Woman was yeah, on HBO Max, right? right. right? Wonder Woman, yeah, pay. yeah, right, yeah, yeah. That was December, I think. Then well, and and the the thing with with HBO Max is it's a subscription service, and you pay the subscription, but then you have access to all these movies, right? That that yep. Warner Brothers was saying we're going to put there for a month. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to the Disney model, 
which is you do pay the subscription, but on top of that, if you want to have access to these premieres, like um, like uh, Black Widow and Raya, mm -hmm. you had to kind of pay something extra. It's, right, thirty dollars, like thirty bucks, right? Yeah, which which makes sense for me because we're four, so going to the theater plus popcorn and all that crap, it's more than thirty bucks. Sure. Um, granted, we don't have the entire theater experience and uh, the darkness of the theater and the awesome uh, visuals and 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 soundscapes, but we get to see the movie in our home theater, which is pretty decent. And you get to pause it when you need a pee. <laughs> exactly. You don't I, have to hold it till the end of the movie anymore. I don't. I don't. I try not to do that, uh, <laughs> even even when I'm home. But I I understand that it occasionally happens, and I have kids, so they do it. Um, so yeah, there's there's that benefit where I don't have to kind of just run with the kid to the bathroom and say, "Come on, we're gonna miss it." So yeah. there's that advantage. So Disney is not only releasing this movie in theaters, they also did this on Disney Plus and they have this premiere access extra money that they're gaining as box office gross. And they then right. they put this this number out. I don't know if it's a flex or what, because I mean they can do it, right? Yeah. I, I think they also need to kind of let the investors know too, like, okay, how, how is this, you know, affecting the overall yeah. premiere? Cause like they were going to be doing, what was it? Eight, it, it was 80 million uh, for opening weekend, mm. which definitely isn't, you know, amazing. I mean, post pandemic. Yeah. You know, biggest opening weekend since this coronavirus started, but um, this is a movie that was supposed to be doing 120, 130, you know, in opening yeah. weekend and then go on to maybe gross, you know, closer to the range of, Six seven hundred thousand uh, million, six seven hundred thousand million uh, worldwide, right? Uh, obviously, it's not going to hit that now. I don't even know if it's going to hit five hundred million, but um, but you know what? The sixty sixty million from Disney Plus that's pure revenue for them. I mean, like minus maybe some fees they got to pay here and there for different platforms mm -hmm. that you know that Disney folks might be watching Disney Plus on. Mm -hmm. But that that is pure revenue versus you know people. A lot of people don't know is when you, when you buy a ticket usually about 55 cents on the dollar or for disney temple it's probably about 65 cents on the dollar goes to the studio and the rest goes to the theater right so and that, that, that's that, that's opening weekend right right that's opening weekend okay. and then it diminishes over time right. that's why yes. opening weekend so important right first two or three weekends of release that's when you make most of your gross mm -hmm. um so it's 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 interesting uh but at the same time you know it's very interesting i think like beyond thinking of it as box office receipt replacement it's probably also going to cut into a little bit of the digital you know of the video on demand revenue we're talking about dvds and blu-rays and yeah. also of course like you know buying it on itunes or something like that your digital downloads yeah because now that i've already spent 30 dollars on it i don't know if i'm gonna go and buy this you know this movie just to maybe have extras or something like that well it's already Disney there Plus is gonna give that to me yeah exactly um so it'll be interesting to see how that'll impact the digital revenue going mm. forward uh obviously you know i think disney and every and the entire industry is already familiar right they're already they, they they went into this doubling down on streaming knowing that's going to happen anyway 
but it'll be interesting to see the actual numbers to see just how big of an impact you know streaming is making on your traditional video on demand uh, market. All right, and speaking of impact, how how big of an impact is this movie within the MCU? Um, so so I guess what I'm saying is now that you've seen it, yeah, did you like it? I enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't perfect by any means. You know, it's it's definitely. I would say if we were to include it, probably in like the second tier of the Marvel movies that are out there, it's not not terrible, mm-hmm. uh, but not the best. Right? Um, I think there's some issues I have with the movie, which we'll talk about later. But um, in terms of impact, I think you know it does set up some things uh going forward introducing new characters right Florence Pugh um kind of as a black widow replacement or mm-hmm. she might be doing her own thing but she's definitely set up to you know succeed Scarlett Johansson in that role yeah. um and she's fantastic too you know oh so, she's great yeah so if, if the one goal that this movie was supposed to do was to make you fall in love with that character uh with Milena, then i think it's already done its job yeah. but not only that you know you have the red guardian uh who was super charismatic played by david harbour and he was just fantastic and fans are already asking for more of him mm-hmm. even rachel wise uh, rachel weiss rachel weiss rachel weiss, weiss. <laughs> there you go yeah i mean even her character was wonderful and i'd love to see more of her character too mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and one of my qualms I did have with this movie was the was the the villain right, which was you know kind of um, heavily marketed and actually uh, Marvel's usually good at marketing, but I think it, for this movie because they had to do it so many times, they really showed a lot of the Taskmaster scenes. Mm. But even I'm more I'm excited to see more of Taskmaster, you know, uh, and what they do with that character, um, especially after the big reveal that they did right of of her being the primary villain uh who was kind of behind um uh, natasha's upbringing and you know all the best stuff thing that she went through um and also you know that event that, that was alluded to in avengers that kind of impacted and made her who she is uh, when she had to kill somebody's daughter who was mentioned by loki mm-hmm. um this is that character and so it's kind of fun to see that you know kind of come to fruition I think now it's been what nine years since Avengers came out, so it's pretty cool to kind of have that be a, be a return reference. But I know fans weren't exactly, uh, 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 you know, uh, into that interpretation. I don't know. What did you think? What did you think about Taskmaster? All right. Well, and the movie as a whole. I, I, the movie as a whole, I think, was pretty inconsequential in in the MCU. It it's you can pluck it out, and it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um. I was I was hoping for more background on Natasha, but what we actually got was more of a filler episode. It, it felt like a like a filler TV episode. Well, uh, let me let me start this first by saying this movie was directed by Kate Shortland and written by Eric Pearson, Jack Schaefer, and Ned Benson. And just the script was very very weak. Mm-hmm. It 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 just it that that middle part of that story was a very big lull and i can tell you that my kids were getting kind of kind of jumpy during that whole middle part and honestly i was i was as well i i enjoy the character i i enjoyed um yelena as well 
and the entire family, I would say, ha- had a very nice rapport. Yeah. But, but just the story wasn't wasn't great. It was just all right. It was fine. There was there was this MacGuffin that was okay, and then you had this terrible, terrible villain in the Taskmaster. I I think it that the reveal was obvious i mean just having mm-hmm. having that the daughter was was the taskmaster it, it, it felt like what, why are you doing this as a reveal it, mm-hmm. it's it's so obvious that this is her um that to make it a, such because because the way that they shot it was this was mind bending you know and i didn't i didn't even see it that way um was for me it was very obvious um and then the movie just felt a little bit like it wanted to be a mission impossible movie yeah but but well that they marketed as as that right mark yeah exactly it's mission impossible light with a globe trotting going to different places and 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 this is this is very very personal i adore the mission impossible franchise and this was just of course i'm not counting number two Mission Impossible Two is terrible, but the <laughs> but the other ones are awesome. I I I love I love that franchise, and and then to have the MCU kind of trying to emulate this and not, for me, not succeeding as well, was kind of a letdown. Um, I think what saves it for me is the character portrayals, and just the casting is phenomenal. I think yeah, the that acting. the the acting saved it for sure. Yeah, I, the the people in the MCU, and we're going to talk about this later when we talk about Loki. But these guys, they have an incredible casting department, um, where they get actors who just nail it, just nail mm-hmm. it. And this this was no different. I I'm so looking forward to whatever the these other three who are left from this family have in store for us. And I, I don't want to say the Taskmaster because is is she now the Taskmaster? But whatever she has to do now, I'm interested. I I, I want to know. I want to know about her. Um, I even that, want to know what uh, what the other widows are going to end up doing. Yeah, yeah that's and, and that right. would make for maybe uh, another uh, Disney Plus TV show. Sure, maybe widows. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Um, the design for the Taskmaster, I think, was pretty cool, but it was just a nothing character. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, and it, this is an issue with with movies for the MCU that the villain are just villains are just not great. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's just Thanos and Loki, and who else? And maybe Jeff Goldblum. Um, but that's well, Jeff Goldblum is good. Jeff Goldblum, right? You can't. You can't find find fault in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think unfortunately, I think Taskmaster was definitely not as interesting as uh as Drakov, who you know who was kind of behind it. But even then, he was kind of like Bond villainy. But at the same time, I think there was that kind of emotional impact because mm-hmm. you see everything that again Natasha has been through and like, Oh, you finally meet the character who has been the cause of all that pain yeah. and suffering that she had to go through. Mm-hmm. I will say, boy, 
this movie, if this movie was kept with the tone of the just the introduction, this would have been absolutely amazing. But then it kind of like tried to do something different to begin, and in the middle of it went a lot of the the more Marvelly tropes, right? Where you can't let a, a quiet moment go too too long. You have to throw in the action mm-hmm. uh, because you feel like your audience has ADD. Talking, of course, about you know like the more average Marvel movies all suffer from that, right? Yeah. Um, I just felt like yeah, the action was a little bit too too high octane, if if you will. Like it's kind of hard to kind interesting to say that about like a, a, a superhero movie but i could have used a little bit less action a little bit more character moments mm. and, you know just like let that let that uh dining table scene go a little bit longer right let those scenes between um between natasha and melena go just a little bit longer yeah um that would have been i think it would have helped this movie a lot uh but it's like you said i think the the plot you know wasn't amazing, but I—I I mean, I enjoyed it as a whole, though. I did. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's a fine movie. Yes, yeah, it's—it's fine. fine. It's fine. Um, I—I don't it regret. I don't regret. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I don't regret spending which, the thirty which, bucks. So let's put it that way. Which I mean, again, it's—it's it's the Marvel standard, right? It's like if you watched this as a DC movie, you probably would have enjoyed. It. It's like, oh wow, they did a good job, right? Like, you know, for DC, <laughs> well, that's a very but, low bar to clear, man. <laughs> or. You know, or any other studio did this, we'd be like, "Oh, this is this is pretty entertaining." You know, it was good. Uh, but I think we just come to expect more from Marvel with more of the intertwinedness and all that. Luckily, we got some of that um, on Disney Plus. Yes, uh, with Loki. Yes, yes, we did. Yes, we did. And by the way, I- I'm probably gonna stick a a, a, a spoiler warning before <laughs> our Black Widow conversation because we did we did some spoilery stuff right there. Uh, but for Loki, if you gotten this far. We will spoil basically the entire series, okay? So if you haven't seen the end, be warned. This is your only spoiler warning. All right, JC. Last episode, we talked about, you said crocodile Loki, but I think it's alligator Loki, right? Apparently it's, yeah, I stand corrected. (laughs) It's alligator Loki. And did you see Throg? And that's that's where I'm going because you said okay. that you said that there was a frog Thor, and I was blown away. And to my surprise, <laughs> we got to see it. Uh, it. It's it's a it's a blink and you'll miss it. And I had to kind of rewind that particular moment because I said, "What the heck was that?" And sure enough, there he was. Yes, and he was what trying to trying to get the the hammer right. Or yeah. something. Yeah, he was in the jar. He was trying to reach for the hammer, which is like far away. And it's actually kind of bleak if you think about it. He's gonna be stuck there this entire time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, man. So, so this episode started. This is we're talking about episode five. It started mm-hmm. right when the other one, well, when the post credit scene finished. We get mm-hmm. to meet these other three, four loki, loki's. Lo- 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 Whatever. Yep. And we have this wonderful back and forth of our Loki asking questions and them trying to answer as fast as they can because they're afraid of this Elioth thing, which is this huge smoke cloud monster. Smoke monster, which I at first said this is probably a reference to Lost. <laughs> I was going to say it's a reference to Galactus, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Galactus is, but the Stay lost tuned. reference wasn't lost on me. 
pun intended. And Richard E. Grant is just, dude, this guy, he's just chewing every moment, every single line that he has. It's just, it's amazing. Um, the, the, his, his costume is so ridiculous, so over the top, but I don't know, man, this guy, it, I, 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 I love this episode. It was, <laughs> it's, it's everything that I, it's, it's all the craziness that I wanted this episode to be. And it delivered in spades. I think it was, it was phenomenal. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think it edges the finale for me. A little bit just because there's so many new things that you're seeing going on right and yeah. then there's like kind of no hint that all these different loki's you, you know you'd be you'd be seeing all these different variants um i will say that the one variant that was kind of a letdown was president loki which uh you know they kind of they built him up in the marketing and all that but he turned out to be See, a dud but <laughs> and that's why i don't watch trailers man there you go because you're Maybe expecting something, and then it, well, Marvel is known for trolling people, right? Because right. they put right. stuff in the trailers that eventually never come to fruition. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, and by the way, I I've heard that this for this final episode, people were expecting some Loki in the throne scene or something like that, but that yeah, never happened because of marketing. Yeah, and that at, and at the end of the last episode that you and I did, I even you know theorize that it might be a loki who's behind all this but clearly we now know who's behind all this all right. i guess we'll get to that yeah but we'll, no, we'll... i i think um i thought that you know it, besides richard e. grant even like the 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 young loki the king loki yeah he was he was he was awesome yeah like i want to see a show with just us you know those two guys the the boastful loki i, I felt like he was whatever you know they didn't give it was him funny. enough to do. It was funny. Yeah, he was funny. <laughs> Talking about getting the six Infinity Stones when nobody believed him. That was pretty hilarious. Yeah. But, but uh, it, it was it was actually super, like, <laughs> just ridiculous that, you know, in this one scene, you see 10 different Lokis fighting each other and trying to backstab each other. Yeah. That's just so Loki. <laughs> but then it's awesome, too, how, like, you, you see, like, our Loki, who would normally be trying to scheme and trying to take advantage of this, He's just like trying to. I'm getting out of the way. I need. A, I have bigger stuff to do away yeah. from here. So it's kind of that character growth that you see. You know that he's beyond these Loki's now. Not only that, um, he's he's embarrassed. <laughs> he's completely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So so it's it's curious to me that for you this President Loki thing didn't work out because I think it was great. Yeah. I yeah I think. Well, I I'm not expecting anything. I I don't know if this character is, exists in in the canon, so I I assume that he does, but yep. I have I have no knowledge of what he's done or what he's capable of. I didn't even know he was known as President Loki. I just saw the thing vote for Loki, and and, yeah. then, and then afterward I I I started reading and and listening to people talking about President Loki. And I go, all right, okay, makes sense. Um, all right. But I, I just think that even his introduction when he says, "Now, which one of us are you?" Yeah, it's, it's delicious the way he says it. It's, yeah, and and um, just seeing him getting backstabbed by the the entire mob of other Lokis, it was just, I I, I can't say it enough. It's exactly what I wanted this crazy show to show me. 
even if mm-hmm. it's just for a brief two minutes of all these Lokis fighting, it's it's what this it's what makes this show so special for me. Yeah. Um, and then but we, interestingly enough, that was that was one of the more mundane or scene. Well, not mundane, but like what you see after on later in the episode, like completely tops that though. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what makes it just so ridiculously amazing. So then we get to see, um, we get to see how Mo- we, we get to see Mobius coming back. Yeah. Um, he apparently knows this entire terrain. We don't know how, but whatever. I mean, it just moves the plot along and he arrives in this, because he's Lightning McQueen, that's why. Right, yeah, right, I know, right? And he arrives in this truck, which kind of resembles the pizza truck from Pixar. Yeah, they should have made it like Mater. And... That would have been hilarious. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Uh, maybe maybe just a little a, a little too much, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he comes to the rescue. Sylvie's there uh, because she, she self-pruned. Um, Yep. Trying to fight with, with Ravona. And um we kinda get a glimpse of the what what's the name of the clock again? Uh Miss Minutes. Miss Minutes. So in this episode, Miss Minutes she's kinda shady. We kinda mm-hmm. she 'cause she she kinda tries to trick uh Sylvie into thinking that they have this space continuum ship or whatever. Right. Um and that kind of seeded something into me, uh, which I I, te- I kind of texted to you. Maybe may- maybe she's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so in this scene we see we see Sylvie fighting with Ravona, and she basically decides that the only way to handle this is by self pruning. Mm-hmm. And after she self prunes, um, we get Elioth, who's basically after her, and now Movius comes and se- and saves her. But during that moment, she realizes that she can actually touch this thing mm-hmm. and probably control it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand that when it happened. Afterward, when she was explaining, I kind of, I kind of got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Sylvie is, de- is is devising this plan, and I think I think that out of all the Lokis, she's up to this moment. She she's the only one who has been able to to uh, to actually do her plan, even even if this Loki kind of fiddled with it and and they went to uh, to Lamentis and then came back, but she kind of realizes that maybe this is the way to do it, mm-hmm. and she already has a plan. And then she meets Loki, and Loki just gives her this other thing, and she says, "No, that's it's not gonna work." Um, let's, do, let's do it my <laughs> Go way. Go around the back and stab the smoke monster. Uh, so, so um, we get this these these two going back and forth, and here comes the part where I think is it's the weakest part of the episode. And I also texted this to you um, when they're talking to each other. They're alone. They have this quote unquote romantic scene, and it just felt to me like like a nineties rom-com teenage yeah, teenage rom-com, rom-com. yeah, yeah I, I just i just don't think that the dialogue was there i just i think it was loki was stammering too much and it just it just felt like like teenage speak to me um 
versus the Shakespearean god of mischief that we're used to. Um, I don't know. What What about you? What I, I've been talking too much. What What, what did you think no, about this entire I, thing? I felt I felt like that scene was was earned, and it makes sense because you have these two characters who I think like who are kind of, who, they're kind of navigating this this new terrain, right? Well, especially Sylvie, who's never gotten close to anybody in her entire life. Yeah. Uh, but Loki, you know, he's he's probably dated around, you know, in his days in Asgard, but he's never fallen in love with himself, right? <laughs> so he's navigating that too. So like that awkwardness that you felt, you know, that atmosphere. I think that is, like you said, reminiscent of a uh, of of you know two teenagers, you know, like having that romantic moment. I, I felt like I liked it. You know, I felt like it was fitting for. Right. for well, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not I'm not against the moment. Mm-hmm. It's just the dialogue thing, and I, it it was just nah. Now nah, this. What, what would you have wanted out of that instead? Well, for Loki to stay in character and not become just a a, a teenage dude, because that's <laughs> that's what it felt like. Uh, but he was smitten. I know, but he. Uh, well, you're know. smitten. But, I don't know, man. You kind of lose that. <laughs> you know, you lose. You, you it lose a your Shakespearean charm. Yeah, yeah, you lose that charm, right? <laughs> All right, but anyway, anyway, this this is just nothing. I mean, this is just me trying to nitpick an episode yeah. because everything else that came after that was great. Uh, I think that the, his relationship with Mobius was wrapped up really nicely, um, and you have you have Mobius, uh, quote unquote, telling him that that he, he's the favorite, but he's actually telling it to Sylvie, saying you're yeah. my favorite. <laughs> Uh, it's it was just great. It was a great wrap up for their for their story, and it was a nice cliffhanger. Right? Who's who's literally behind the curtain? We're gonna well, find well, out. I think taking one step back, you know, while they're having this moment, Sylvia and Loki are having this moment outside. You had uh, Mobius and the variant Lokis, right? And then I think you know Mobius was saying that, or I think what was it? Uh, uh, Richard E. Grant Loki was saying, well, you believe in this all your life, but Mm -hmm. now you're ready to take it down. And he's like, yeah, I think that that really like that conversation that they had really impacted, you know, old Loki. Be like, oh, shoot. Right. I I should you know, I I believe in this. Right. So I should do something about Mm -hmm. it, Um, which gave us that incredible moment at towards the end of the episode. Right. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of skipped over that. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have been able to get to Eliath, right? Or, or maybe Eliath would have gotten to them and they would just disappear. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that moment was incredible, and he just, he, <laughs> he took it so seriously. And I'm talking about the actor now. Um, he said, uh, uh, "What is it? Glorious purpose." Yeah, and it was just awesome. Yeah, I, I, it was just great the way he said it. Um, well, that entire sequence where it starts, you see like you know a, a green tinted, like all these buildings start coming up, and yeah. suddenly you realize, oh crap, it's Asgard that he's building. Yeah, and then the realization comes like after all these years, he still remembers Asgard down to the detail, yeah. right? Because yeah, he has to remember this in order to build it the way it looks. And so he's always held Asgard close to his heart. So I was like, oh, my God, like that, that's that just has so many layers to it, you know, mm-hmm. that he chose to rebuild Asgard of all the different places that he's been. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I felt 
I, I no, I, probably the best quote unquote death. I don't know if he's really dead, but mm-hmm. if he's dead, best character death of the entire MCU <laughs> so far. That tops Tony Stark's. You know, like I am Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's it's incredible. I, I do wish they'll bring him back. I mean, Richard E. Grant, I think in anything he's been in, you know, I first thing I've seen him in was in Doctor Who, where he played this uh, 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 Charles Dickens-like character, like, you know, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but he was also evil. So I, and he just chewed up the scenery there. And then, uh, obviously, in, in the Star Wars movie that we would not mention by name, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, as the as a first order general, he should have scenery there too. Granted, it wasn't a great character, but every scene he was in, he was just fantastic. Right? Yeah, it was a terrible so, character. Terrible character. But, great yeah. acting though. Great acting. Yes, that's the yeah. film that shall not be named. <laughs> um, and, and what's interesting about his his Loki is that he's our Loki. He's the Loki that yes. that that we've known, except yep. he never got chosen. He survived. Yeah. Yeah, he he uh, he fooled Thanos. What if Thanos didn't kill Loki and he went on and lived a really long life? Right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Interesting enough, I thought he would have been like King Loki. You know, when they announced him, I was like, oh my god, he's gonna be this grand character. But no, they made him like this ridiculous, like you said, ridiculous costume, but all so much heart and character. Right. Yeah. Just probably the best version of Loki I would say that I've seen so far. Uh, granted, you know, at the end of the next episode, uh, spoiler alert, we'll see what is next. <laughs> yeah. Well, so after this episode ended, everyone was coming up with their versions of who's behind the curtain. Yep. Um, I gave you how many? I gave you. I said it's either Mobius. It's yeah, either Mobius. Miss Minutes. Miss Minutes. Or who else? Ravona? Ravona, maybe? I was wrong. And I'm glad I was wrong. And I'm glad that you were wrong. Yeah. Because I still think they could have done it though. I still think they could have made a variant Loki behind it and make it work. But uh, I'm so happy that they didn't go that way. I'm so happy. And I'm so happy that they made it work because they did it. I mean, we have Kang the Conqueror, right? He, I, I yeah. so yes and no. We did see Kane the Conqueror, but and this is kind of where comics wonkiness gets incorporated. Okay. The version of Kane that we see is perhaps after he's been Kane. So in the comics, there's Kane the Conqueror, there's someone called Iron Lad, there's someone called uh shoot, I forgot. Uh, 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 Egyptian Pharaoh. And there's someone called Immortus. All okay. four of those people. Oh, and there's Doctor Doom. All five of those people I named are the same person. Wait, 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 wait. Doct- isn't Doctor Doom part of the Fantastic Four? Yes, Doctor Doom is part of the Fantastic Four. But all five of the characters I named have one origin, but just in different timelines. And his name is Nathaniel Richards. Richards, as That's in it. Reed Richards. Okay. So, so all these characters are the same person, but at different parts of that timeline. The version of Kang that I think we saw was uh, the MCU version of someone called Immortus. Immortus is someone who used to be Kang the Conqueror, 
Okay. But he's now at the end of time and, and he's working, you know, as actually he's working for the TVA in the comics and he's trying to, you know, do exactly as what this, uh, this character, the he who remains mm -hmm. is doing, which is to prune all these other timelines to prevent other versions of himself from doing really crazy things. Yeah. Okay. So, but we did see Kang the Conqueror in his MCU glory in the form of that statue at the end of the show. So that is Kang. Like, that, if you look at the, the clothing detail on that statue, it's exactly the same as the comics. He was only missing his helmet. He has, like, this helmet and a blue face. Uh, but, yeah. So, get so ready. wait, so I MCU's remember... about to get weird. Because I, I remember you telling me that he, he even though he is human, he kind of goes through... Uh sort of transformation and he looks it's all technology yeah it's all technology based so okay. he's from the 31st century right um and so and this is the comics by the way to, yeah the comics uh -huh. we don't know if they're gonna do that for the mcu right, yeah. but but yeah so he's, he's from the future and he has access to all this advanced technology that kind of gives him superpowers quote unquote mm -hmm. super strength and he, he's also lived much longer than anybody else um so yeah it's uh that's the character as being adapted so Immortus is a is a a version of Kang later on in his timeline. So it was it's a very interesting, right? So I never thought they would go this route where you're basically showing us the end of the life of this major supervillain that's about to be introduced. Yeah. Which is ridiculously exciting. Well and th this this is what I was talking to you when 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 we first started about talking about Loki. This show will have repercussions for the movies. I think that's an understatement. There's, but... <laughs> there's no <laughs> yeah. way around it. There's no yeah. way around it. Yep. And I think that's awesome. I think, I, yep. look, I, I've, I've always, com I, I started complaining about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier saying this is inconsequential. This, this doesn't really matter for the MCU. And the other thing is, I didn't know why that was a show because that was like a six-episode movie, right? Mm -hmm. This this show is why I was complaining about all that because this just feels like a TV show, right? It it does have an ending. It gives us this little morsel at the end of what will happen with the TVA. Um, and I, look, I I'm just so happy. <laughs> That we got such a crazy show, even at the end, because yeah. what what other what other show has the reveal of the main villain, who will eventually affect the movies, and because we know for a fact that he will feature in at least one movie, yep. right, and have him for, I would say seventy five percent of the episode, monologuing. He's just he's just talking. He's yeah. talking and camera talking straight and talking on, and no cut. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And it's just he's he's so mesmerizing. This this yeah. uh, um, Jonathan Majors is, which by the way, he was nominated for an Emmy uh, for Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Um, but but he 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 does this so well. The way that he narrates this story, um, and 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 the way that he he kind of eggs them on because he's. I don't know. I, he's kind of like a devil. Mm -hmm. Um, at at moments, it felt like, uh, like um, uh, 
like the devil's advocate have you seen that movie the devil's advocate yeah with, I with, have. with al pacino al pacino and keanu reeves yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, especially that moment where he says uh, uh what's what's your name and he says well people have called me this and people have called me that yeah um it it I, I don't know this this his entire monologue was great and he he gets on the table and he he has these different um i don't know uh flurries i would say he's eating an yeah. apple also very yeah. reminiscent of the adam and eve thing uh he's he's tempting them whether to take his place or not which which again harkens back to lost uh, right. spoilers about lost but you know one of the main things about lost is you know you have this godlike entity jacob who who's looking for candidates replacements mm-hmm. right because he's quote-unquote tired of it yeah um so so we have we have this character kang he's being introduced in the show for the first time in the last episode with uh a, an excellent actor he he has most of the dialogue because it's just him monologuing Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was mesmerized. It, it, yeah, I, I was so happy. I, I look, <laughs> I was so afraid that they were gonna go the Loki route that you said. Right. And when that door opened for the elevator, I was saying, no, please, please, no, no Loki. And when I saw him, I was, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and and I know nothing about this character, but I'm just so happy. That they're they're just going for it, yeah. you know. They're not afraid to to go this insane comic booky route because that's what the show's for, right? Um, I don't well, know. Even what, even in one division, right? Like you, the whole Mephisto thing, obviously. So, in a way, it's almost like they used the whole show to be a misdirect for how this show might end up, right? Yes, because you would think. I think his strongest argument for it to be a Loki would be going back. Oh, in WandaVision, they didn't introduce a new character in the last episode and, you know, completely blow things up. Mm-hmm. But that's clearly, that's that's exactly what they did. Yeah. They introduced a brand new character and blew everything to hell. Yes. Right? Yep, yep, yep. The way that they opened the episode with, you know, the different sound bites when they're playing the logo, that was so cool. But that was basically, I think, Marvel saying, hey, remember this? It's going away. Like this is completely this is this MC as you remember it, and now we're entering into this whole new phase of God knows what can happen. You know, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield coming back in Spider Man, maybe, yeah. or you know, different different evil version actually, of Tony we, Stark. You we know pulled know? back so much in that opening yeah. that we were actually able to see the different universes. Yeah, at a point we see them stacked upon each other. Um, which kind of reminds me of of uh, string theory and M theory and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. So we have Kang, and there's a point where he realizes that he finally doesn't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And this is where his test comes to life. And we kind of see the entire thesis of the show, for me. And it's trust. Right. The entire show has been built on trust from the beginning, from 
Loki getting to the TVA and not trusting anybody there to him and Mobius learning to trust each other to him and Sylvie learning to trust each other. And then finally, at the end, we have Kang, who in essence is able to break this trust that they, that Sylvie and Loki built. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that was threaded incredibly throughout the entire show. Um, I think it also, that the primary theme being trust, the secondary, I think is still that glorious purpose yeah line right and so essentially what kenny's saying like okay here is your purpose beyond all the the failures that you've seen other loki's go through this is your purpose right and so so he's kind of tempted by that um i know some people were like oh it's kind of disappointing that he uh he was going wanting to be back this this time dictator you know like after all the growth he's went through but that's not it he is ready to, he was almost ready to embrace this new purpose of like pruning the timeline. So to prevent, you know, this, all the evil versions of Kang that, um, that he who remains was explaining and talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, in his exposition. Um, but obviously Sylvie, she's been doing this, you know, there's that one throwaway dialogue line, which is I, I've been pruned before you were born. So essentially, she's been doing this for probably a thousand, two thousand years, and so she's kind of a zealot now. Zealot now. She already has her purpose, which is to end the TVA and to take down whoever's behind it, right? So that was her purpose, and so she she wanted to see it to the end. So it's kind of interesting how you know, and that that's where the conflict comes in, right? And they kind of foreshadowed it in, in I think in the last episode was like, Oh, are you going to betray me? Mm. And uh, I never would have thought that Sylvie would be the one to, to betray Loki. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was a master stroke of writing. Yep. 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 We, uh, we, we also have back to the future moments where we see the timeline split after mm-hmm. Sylvie gets to kill him. And the entire timeline kind of just blows up and my question to you is we have this show coming up called what if which by the way Mm -hmm. i saw the preview for that and it looks bonkers it looks amazing uh (laughs) i'm so excited for that show right now um but is this what if show kind of based on this timeline exploding yeah, I'm not too sure about that. I think they could definitely go that route. Um, I was just reading an interview uh, that Tom Hiddleston was giving to some outlet, and he was kind of explaining the show, and he's saying that it will have an impact on the MCU, but he doesn't know about it. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that he would say that because then I, th- I thought it was like a standalone thing where you just see different scenarios play out with one thing change, but it could be we're looking at different multiverses. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's exciting. I don't know if it'll be episodic in the beginning, maybe. And then, like, eventually there'll be an overarching plot. Um, But we'll see. And so going with this whole Back to the Future thing, we uh, we also see that the TVA is not impervious to to the time branching because at the end, Loki is back in the TVA. But he's in a different branch. There's we don't have the timekeepers anymore. We have 
like you said, we have Kang the Conqueror himself. This, we have the right. statue. So, so, so it's 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 just mind boggling. I mean, does every universe have a different TVA? TVA? Not, not yeah, like... I don't know. <laughs> but he might. So so Kang or this version of Kang talks about a multiversal war, right? So yeah. you, I guess you could imagine that if every multiverse or I guess there are like a, a handful of Kangs who are malevolent, they would create, you know, a TVA in order to enact their wishes and make sure that they're they're They win in the end. Right. Um, so it's interesting, but yeah, I mean, essentially what we have seen is I guess at some point this Kang won, right. That's the only way to explain it. He's gone through the multiversal war. He's already gone through, you know, pruning all the other all their Kangs. So that means he's the one who won mm -hmm. this previous multiversal war. So I don't know. It's, it does feel like there's like another time loop going. And he also does say that, oh, I'll, I'll see you again. Right. Because this is the ultimate end. Right. Of the for, loop. Yeah. Of the loop. So it's very interesting. All right. Um, and then. uh we have Ravona's pen, which kind of there's a there's a yeah. I finally have a resolution. There's for a that. payoff for that. Yep. And then so she goes searching for free will. What were those archives that uh, Miss Minutes sent her? Cause she, yeah, I don't know. It, it maybe she's Kang's backup plan. So maybe he has a backup plan. All right. So these guys are gonna kill me. You know. Now I'm going to send Ravona off to do do some stuff to kind of make sure that this the, the pruning continues. I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. I mean, I like I think we talked about her origins in the comics, right? Where like she's a lover of Kang. So uh, wait, wait, uh, what? We oh, you don't remember that? Yeah. Did so we talk about Ravona's? That? Yeah. So Ravona and Kang uh, are lovers in uh, in the comics. Okay. So okay. I don't know if that's the route they're going to go. Okay. Okay, that kind of yeah. makes sense. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I do want to talk also about the um, production design inside that citadel. Yeah. Did you notice that it was it was kind of shattered? It, yeah. It looked as if everything was destroyed, and then it was later kind of reconstituted with yeah. with gold seams. Um, even even the the little thing, the little tablet that he had, where he showed them all his different versions and he he basically animated his entire history. Yeah. All of that animation had that gold seam. Right. Does that have anything to do with how you manipulate time? Um I don't know. I don't know. Many breadcrumbs, man. Many yeah. many many breadcrumbs. A, a eagle-eyed redditor uh, had mentioned that that texture yeah. Uh, looks a lot like the Eternal spaceship. Have you seen this, the Eternals trailer? The oh, the Eternals. Uh, the Eternals. Yeah, I, saw the, I saw the teaser. Yes. So the spaceship texture looks a lot like that. The citadel, like the interior of the citadel, and you know, with the with the black stone and the gold interwoven. Uh huh. So I don't know if there's any connection there. Okay. That would be very interesting if there was. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, but there's a lot of mysteries to unravel. Definitely, and uh. And the ultimate reveal, which is we're getting a season two. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes That's sense. That's exciting. It makes sense because they, they lay it all out at the end. When Loki comes back and he, he figures that 
uh, I'm not back where I used to be. Um, my question is, will we ever get to see the old Mobius? And uh, will w did Ravana create this other uh, uh, timeline where where Kang is the the uh, not not the we conquer. don't yeah we don't have the three uh, time yeah keepers we we just have him yep um it's it's i i i was really happy with this show yeah yeah i was i was very pleased with the way it ended the other the thing ending, is yeah go ahead. Uh, the ending got me though because if you think about it loki went through this entire journey made all these friends and people who cared about and he's alone again yeah so you got to feel for the guy man he's been through a lot yeah <laughs> From being, you know, banged around by the Hulk to making friends and losing all of them and mm -hmm. seeing the end of time. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is that by the end of of the show, we don't have a final act where we have this big CG salad. Like, for example, like in WandaVision or, or, right. or Black Widow. It was Widow. very intimate. Yeah. It's just, a, you know, the monologue works because the monologue is directly tied to our heroes yeah as opposed to the one that the falcon gives at the end of falcon and the winter soldier um in in falcon and the winter soldier it was a f an okay monologue it was fine uh, i i liked the the content of it but he was telling it to nobody it was just random characters that we barely knew. Well, I think, I think for that, it's a little bit different, right? In that one, there's no suspense in what he's saying because he's talking about the real world, right? He's talking about institutional racism. He's talking about, you know, the, the, the different issues that people of color like him face mm -hmm. versus you're totally gripped onto every word that Jonathan Major is saying because this is all brand new stuff. Like, it's exposition, but it's exciting exposition, at least for you know nerds like me and you who are into the MCU. Right. I don't know about casual fans; they might have been lost a little bit there. But like, and it was just delivered so well. But he was just telling you exactly, almost like what exactly is going to happen. He is mm -hmm. telling you straight up, "Hey, these, this is this is where we're going with the stories." Yeah. And I'm just telling you this now, but you're going to end up seeing it. Yeah. Well, the right? thing is, so I, it's a little bit different. I think. I, I think I think I, I get your point. But I also, I also think that in terms of stakes, I mean, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is uh, uh, I didn't particularly care uh, of what was happening at, at the end. Right. Here, well, I mean, you didn't care about the villain. Right. You didn't yeah. Care about the, yeah. Well, yeah. and and the difference the difference here is the Falcon, and and I'm just this is basically for, for the script. I'm, I'm I'm referring more to the script. Mm -hmm. Um, the Falcon is delivering this monologue to characters we have no attachment to, and so it's fine what he's saying, and I and I get everything that he's saying, but it doesn't reach me the same way that anything that Kang is saying, because Kang is not only giving us exposition; he's is revelation. He's also telling this to our main characters. 
Right. Who is right. listening to this to this monologue? It's our main character. So if they're listening, we, we should be listening because that means that this is important. Whereas in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you have the Falcon saying this very incredible uh, monologue to random nobodies. Um, and, and that's what I'm referring to. That's yeah. That that that's that's what I'm trying to to compare it to. Um, so yeah. So um, anything else you wanna you wanna say? Anything that we glossed over? We forgot to mention. No, I just think it's like I, we mentioned at the beginning, right? The casting is just so incredible, and I can't wait to see you know Jonathan Majors play the different versions of Kane. Oh yeah, that's another there's, thing. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of them. There's gonna be thing. some good ones. There's gonna be some bad ones. If they do it by the comics, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of versions of that character. Um, and I mentioned Iron Lad uh, at the beginning, like that's a version of of this Nathaniel Richards character as well. I don't know if they're gonna do it. At, at some point, but he's kind of like this Iron Man Junior type of type of character. Okay. Um. So you could just imagine, like, th- he has a very very interesting life. That's for sure. Okay. Um. Across different timelines, but so so, so do, it, uh, do they? So so Kang develops a way to travel between timelines, amongst timelines. Yeah. There's also something called the Council of Kangs. Right. You just mentioned like that before. The, yeah. Yep. Just like the Council of Ricks. And actually, I, I looked it up and apparently um, the creators of Rick and Morty based the Council of Ricks off of the Council of Kangs. So it's very interesting mm. how like it's kind of, you know, kind of that loop is the feedback loop is coming around. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see that. But but. Whatever Jonathan Major's in, I'm there, man. It's going to be exciting. He's going to be next in Ant-Man, which is confirmed. I don't know if he's going to be in Doctor Strange. Maybe as a tag uh, scene or something like mm-hmm. that. But, but yeah, this this that moment at the very end, just now it makes sense that they're doing all these different movies that are coming up, right? So um, I, 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 there's one thing I will say, you know, going back to Black Widow, it doesn't feel like it belongs in Phase 4. If you think about it, right? Because you got all these crazy things going on in phase four. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that movie just should have been right after Civil War. I think it would have been, been great. Yeah, that's where it fits. But I think that's also the problem that Falcon and the Winter Soldier faced, too. You know, again, because of the, pan- the pandemic, it wasn't released in order. I think I mentioned this before. Mm-hmm. So, like that buildup where you had, you know, WandaVision, which is a super out there, and then you bring it back to like very grounded. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then, and then you go all out, you know, with like this huge MCU explosion event in Loki. It just it feels like in uh, uneven a little bit. Yeah. But uh, hopefully, going forward, now that we're back on the release schedule, things will be things will make more sense. Although I don't know how they're going to do Hawkeye after all this, because Hawkeye is going to be more grounded again, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, but then you know they did mention at the very end of Black Widow um, that. Florence Pugh, uh, Yelena is going to go after Hawkeye now, so she's definitely going to be in the show. I think that's been confirmed. So I don't know, um, but I, I feel like they have a risk of like, oh, I'm only going to stick with this stuff that touches, you know, the 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 broader MCU, uh, impl- you know, that affects the MCU as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think you kind of already came come in with that paradigm a little bit, right? Which is like, oh, this doesn't really affect things going forward. Like I'm not as interested, right? I'll watch it, but 
it's not as interesting to me as as Loki. But I think that's the that's the big risk that Marvel took, which mm-hmm. is to do these huge, you know, changes to and completely blowing up what we are already expecting in order to bring us something new. But now they've raised the bar so high, it's kind of tough to kind of bring it back down to that right. level. But, but we'll see. A, a movie like Black Widow, um, I, I I just think that the script wasn't particularly great. If if they would have given me a, a story that I cared a little bit more about, I, I wouldn't mind that it fit right after uh, Civil War. It mm-hmm. it's it's fine. It's just a story I just didn't particularly care about. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Anyway, anything else? Anything else? No, I just think everything is so exciting moving forward. It's in, insane. It's a good, t- amazing time to be alive as a comic book uh a fan yeah for sure yeah all right jc let's end this uh where can people find your work on social media uh go to twitter.com slash barry big bird zero six and uh yeah tweet me uh tell me if you agree tell me if you don't agree with my assessments all right love to hear from you yeah and you can find us on twitter at media review pod that's media r-e-v-u-e pod and you can send us emails with questions comments and suggestions to media review pod at gmail.com or you can just leave a voice message calling 407-603-5847 please don't forget to subscribe to our feed and rate and review the pod with five beautiful stars jc thank you for coming back and we'll we'll keep in touch because uh, I think there's there's a lot of Marvel coming in the horizon. So um, I'm I'm glad to welcome you back into into the podcast again. I was happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. All right, and to all our listeners out there, even though we've branched out into a whole new multiverse, don't forget that there's a whole lot of MCU madness on the other side. But above all else, don't forget to breathe. Till next time, bye-bye.